0: Welcome to the Revolutionary Love and Resilience Podcast Season 2. I'm Myra Holtzman.
1: And I'm Shelby Lee.
0: We are both trained psychotherapists who wear a few different hats working in the field of healing. Together, we focus on somatic-based and other leading-edge approaches to healing trauma. We are here igniting a revolution around embodiment, life after trauma, and nurturing resilience.
1: We know that collaborating as colleagues and Peers makes us stronger, wiser, and meaningfully connected. If you're a coach, therapist, care provider, or someone impacted by trauma, this podcast is for you. We believe in the body as an ally in the healing process and support the magic of helping nervous systems come back into balance. Join us
0: as we offer an empowering and relationship-focused perspective to healing. This is a place where fierce and tender folks can come to get support and encouragement. We want you to know that we are right here with you on the path. Shelby, you used to be a licensed therapist, is that true and you no longer are?
1: That is true. I was a licensed therapist. I had a private practice in downtown Portland and when I moved to Bali, I put my license on hold. So technically, it's on hold. But uh, the way therapists' licenses are, it's, it's infuriating to me. It's not like this in most other fields. But you can't see clients outside of the state you're in. And I wanted to work online. I wanted to. I needed a break after my dad died from Portland and from normal life as I knew it. Had a bunch of friends that lived in Portland who were also therapists who were thriving. And it was just time. I just needed to do something different. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. make sure I was honoring the ethics of my license. And so I put it on hold. And what I found was that I absolutely love working with people all over the world. I love getting to hear different accents all day, different cultural worldviews, different things people are managing in their lives. And unfortunately, the way the therapy industry is these days, there's not an option to be able to do that, to see those clients and have my license. And I want to be, I am something that most people don't know about me is I am a total rule follower, um, unless I know I can't get caught, in which case that I love breaking the rules. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really important to me to make sure that I was honoring um, those guidelines. And so I went back to my coaching certification because I I was a coach before I was a therapist. Um, oh. I have two coaching certifications. The first one I got back in 2005, I think. So I just leaned on that certification. And since I've been back in the state for a couple of years, my practice hasn't changed. I'm still seeing people all over the world. I'm teaching a lot more than I'm seeing clients. You know, I see like maybe six to eight clients a week. I don't have that many clients in Oregon. And so it doesn't make sense to me to have a license. That's one piece of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering if there was more and I agree with you that this is an issue and I'll just can I, I'd like to share for a second, if that's okay.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, in this age that we're in of the pandemic, we have been getting at my practice somatic therapy partners, we've been getting a lot of inquiries for people to do somatic work online. And, you know, my other two therapists are not willing to take those kinds of risks. I'm willing to take those kinds of risks. But it's a real bummer because I feel like that that kind of rule really limits our ability to be effective for a greater population of people versus just what's local.
1: Yeah, it is. I've gone back and forth. I've had lots of coaching. There are even some podcasts out there with Lacey sites where we were trying to figure out if I should get my license back because what if I want to offer continuing ed credits? What if I want to supervise therapists and have them get credit? You know, all of these various reasons – But mostly what it comes down to, if I'm really honest with myself, is the only reason I would want my therapy license is if I am in scarcity mode. It's like, oh, if for some reason I can't charge cash pay clients because of the pandemic or some natural disaster or something, and my business as I know it now completely dissolves, um... I could, in theory, uh, be on insurance panels. But when I check in, in my heart of hearts, I don't want to be part of that bureaucratic insanity. Um, It's part of why I think therapists are so stuck in scarcity mentality, why so few therapists charge what I believe they should really, really be charging and getting for the work that they do. And um, I think it's really, really sad that mental health care has come down to the bottom dollar that insurance has put on this kind of care. And I we could look at it both ways. I mean, it's incredible that so many people can access therapy. True. Uh, but for me, it's a really broken system. And I Agreed. don't want to be part of it. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> contribute to them making any money. I don't want to receive money from them and if it's just my scarcity mentality i know that i can work on that
0: yeah oh thanks for saying all that it's interesting that you said what you said about the insurance companies cuz i'm we don't have to we're not going to go here cuz i want to talk about you but it's one of the things i was contemplating is like you know do we want to start being able to accept insurance even while I think that the health insurance situation in America is completely broken and not very helpful at all for anyone involved. And back to you, I'm curious about how moving to Bali contributed to your knowing of putting your license on hold.
1: Well, if I'm really honest, a couple of things. I was living in Portland. I grew up in Portland. I've been in Portland a long time. Portland changed a lot. And it got to the point where I I was working hard of seeing about 16 to 20 clients a week, which we'll talk about later. To me, that's like (laughs) way over the amount of clients I will ever see again or should see personally. And um, I could barely breathe. I, I was not able to have a thriving life on that income as a therapist in Portland because the
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you know rent had gotten so high everything had gotten so high I couldn't even think about buying a house at that point and wow. even groceries you know and I had to move out of my house they were selling the house I was living in and I couldn't find anywhere to live within the budget I had and so wow and I'm a one person family You know, and I don't frivolously spend money and I just felt so constricted all of the time and like it was impossible to get ahead and moving to Bali wasn't so much that I was moving to this gorgeous tropical island for this beautiful life. It was because I couldn't think of anywhere I could live and survive doing what Mm. I was doing, uh, to be completely honest. And part of that was Portland. And therapist mentality. And part of that was I still had a lot of work to do around fully, like, receiving money and holding it and being able to make more of it and um, charging what my results were worth. I still, I probably was, could have been charging more as a therapist, even when I was billing insurance, but had a really, Mm -hmm. really hard time raising my rates. (laughs) And so I kind of, instead of facing that, I moved to Bali. (laughs) yeah yeah and then when I moved back from Bali I faced it and I raised my rates
0: (laughs) (laughs) how long did you live in Bali for and how did that resource you if you have any thoughts you want to share or insight about your process
1: I was in Bali for a little over two years and in that time I also was um you know, I, I was in Cambodia for a couple months, Thailand, six weeks, Europe, a couple months, Mexico, Got three it. or four months. But the majority of that time was in Bali. And um, I don't remember the next question you asked me.
0: <laughs> the next question is you were traveling during that time and maybe you've already answered this to some extent. But what I'm looking for is what helped you turn the corner? right? Was it, was it being in Bali and having the freedom that you had? How did that kind of go for you?
1: It was my health hitting bottom again. So it's not a linear story because a piece, there were several pieces of what got me to Bali. One was my health was feeling like I was healthier than I'd been in a while. And so it was kind of a celebration um, to not have to be glued to my medical professionals every week. (laughs) Um, right. it was, uh, my dad had just died. So it feels like a good time to examine what I'm doing and really follow what I desire. And yeah. where could I go where I could feel really abundant? Um, and that's not Portland. So it was Bali. And then it. after being abroad for two and a half years or so, um, a doctor had let me know like your immune system's at 30% we can't treat you in this country. You need to find somewhere that has consistent medicine um, and care. You should probably take three or four months off. Your immune system is not functioning well. You could get cancer. You could, you know, we don't know how long you live at this rate. Like a doctor just sat me down very sternly and I, wow, I was burning out. Part of it yeah. was that I was working about 50 hours a week when I lived in Bali, a tropical island where so many people are on vacation (laughs) and I was hustling and I still wasn't making enough money. And, um, it was just, I I kind of had to surrender. I, I moved back to the States. I stopped working for two or three months, got intensive medical treatment every three days down in Tahoe um, and examined what I was doing. And a big piece of that was my offerings. I wanted Mm -hmm. to find how could I, given my particular set of challenges with my body and my health and energy levels, how could I really, really, really support myself and thrive and be proud of myself and give to my community of people who are following me and do it in a way where I felt in integrity and I was charging what felt good, but not out of control. Though maybe I might Mm. like to try that sometime. (laughs) 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 I'm getting closer to wanting to do that. My therapist mentality still sneaks in sometimes. All of my, I charge like right now, probably less than all of my students. And I'm always like, I'm patting myself on my back for them. Like, I'm so (laughs) proud of them. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm like this old (laughs) therapist coach lady just charging my old prices. (laughs) Um, At some point, I'd like to try charging outrageous. I'm not quite there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But I built some programs then. I really like in those two to three months sat with what do I have to offer and how could I let it support me also?
0: Oh my God. Preach. (laughs) Yeah. Preach, preach. Keep going. I'm listening.
1: Yeah. And I got really quiet because I knew at that point it was like going to be one thing that I had the energy to put together. And I just kept listening. What keeps knocking on my door? What wants to come through? What feels easy for me to do? And it could like bring in large amounts of cash for me so I can really... Mm -hmm really feel that experience of being so supported by what I do. And wow. uh, And then like one that was after I created creating safer space. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was like my next level program because creating safer space is really affordable, you know. And then so I did mm-hmm. a, a mastermind kind of thing. I don't call it a mastermind, but you know, I have a smaller group of coaches where I just get to be with them and yeah. you know and they just bring their questions and their experiences and I, I don't have to plan I don't think about what I'm going to do more than one minute before I hit go which is really good for my energy because I used to stress for days and days on end and over plan and over study for everything And now I have something I can, I just am confident in. I can show up for, give my whole heart to. I hit end. I don't even think about it again, (laughs) you know, and I feel great about it. I feel like I give a lot and I get a lot from the experience. I feel full afterwards. I feel proud of everyone that's there. And um, I also feel like, you know, I charge enough to make it super, it feels nourishing for me to be able to show up for it. (sighs)
0: <sighs> I'm just kind of pausing and sitting heavier in my sit bones, listening to you. There's so much goodness that I've heard. So, okay, if I riff a little bit about what I heard. Yeah. The first thing, the first thing that came to mind is the power of self-examination. You know, you are really taking a look at your life and your finances and your life as a whole that included chronic health issues and, and other factors, right? Your dad passing away and you were, what I like about the self-examination is that it led you to designing the life that you want and then being able to move forward and make that happen. Because here we are, how many years later when, from when you made that decision? Maybe
1: three-ish. hmm
0: Yeah. And I can, I also want to acknowledge that there is a scarcity mentality with trained therapist with the therapy field. And I'm, that's, that could be a whole other podcast, but I also really recognize that to be true. And it can be really hard to step out of scarcity, especially for me. I grew up in all scarcity. I mean, my parents were really, really good at telling me about how little we had and how, you know, poor we were and how we couldn't afford this, that, and the other thing. Um, So I really appreciate hearing what you shared there. It just sounds so empowering. I don't know what it felt like for you at that time. I'm sure you had like big moments of fear and like, what the fuck? Um, but I'm really appreciating that you were able to design your life and bring your gifts out because what we know about scarcity or what I know about scarcity is that it's really hard to bring our gifts out sometimes if we're really trapped in that fear right in the nervous system that's a lot of tension, a lot of contraction mm. yeah. uh, So I really like knowing how you know how you got there and then what your process was like in. in in getting to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, I can't, I mean, I will not ever forget the body experience of when I started kind of waking up around that, I felt, you know, like I'm such an adrenaline junkie. And so what I was doing was like stressing so much. Like it wasn't about the numbers. It wasn't about how much money was coming in and how much was going out. Other than, like, I would always let just as much go out, so much go out so that I couldn't breathe. And so I had stress on my system. I couldn't uh-huh. hold. It was really hard to invite more money in because I was always just at the set point of I need to be this stressed to make everything keep going in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when I – the doctor reflected that to me, more than one doctor, I was um, – the doctor before that one, she sat me down in Thailand and said, we think you have cancer. <laughs> we, It's looking like in your blood um, cells. We're seeing some interesting cancer cells. You know, like this was on Christmas Day or something by myself in what? Thailand. The same day I, I, my girlfriend and I broke up. It was like the most weirdest, hardest day ever. But it was that first step to that big wake up call. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, what I got, I felt how like the stress was leaking out of my pores and I never saw myself as a stressed out person. I was like, mm. Oh, I'm an adventurer. And, you know, <laughs> I, I sleep a lot. You know, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm a sleepy person, <laughs> but not like a hyper-stressed like, um, person you see, like the classic American dude with the cell phone and the briefcase, <laughs> you know, right? like I was like, I'm a meditator. I'm a meditation teacher. And oh, it hit me so hard. I was like, it feels like it's coming out of my pores. My gut feels stressed. My brain feels stressed. My heart feels stressed. And when I looked at it through the lens of stress, I realized it was, I was becoming toxic from how I always lived at this edge of running the adrenaline so hard so that I never knew if I was going to survive it. I never knew if I was going to have enough money to make it to wherever I was going next. And um, so it showed up in everything. And so it wasn't about changing my relationship to money. It was about changing my relationship to stress.
0: (laughs) Yes. Great distinction. Yeah.
1: And adrenaline. And, oh, I can, like, be at peace when I have a little space here and a little extra cash. And oh, okay, I have enough room to feel that. And I I noticed actually when I went to Mexico last week, I got there and I, I had a FaceTime call with you so you can attest to this, but I had no idea how much stress I was running in my system until I got there. I thought I'm a meditation teacher. I do regulation. I love my job. My life in Bend is beautiful. I snowboard all the time. And I sat down on that beach and was like, I sobbed all the way there. I couldn't figure out why yeah. I was crying. Right. I got there on the heels of, you know, it's been a couple of months since the breakup that I thought I was processing, but I don't think I did fully. Um, uh-huh. All sorts of money stress again, all sorts of things. And what I learned this week was those more quiet and settled and full I got the more I knew I could let go of in terms of hustling. <laughs> like, I don't need God. to run this extra program. I've been like trying to get off the ground. I don't need to be doing these extra things. Actually, I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. Actually, I don't want to be on Instagram anymore. All these things that I think I'm supposed to do to have a thriving business. I was like, this is what's keeping me from having a thriving business because I feel like a slave to these things and it's burning me out. Oh
0: It's burning you out.
1: And I just have to trust that there is a way that I can thrive and not do things that aren't pleasurable to me. (laughs) So I say that now, you might see me around on Facebook. I don't know what's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen.
0: Totally. Well, a couple, so some things that are happening over here. So I didn't know that when we were going to start this particular podcast that I was going to be getting called out in the most loving way that's what it feels like is happening um and I say that with you know like you it's you're talking about your nervous system is very our nervous systems I think are similarly wired in the way of like we can work a lot and maybe overdo things and and that kind of thing and as you were talking I can't even remember what you were saying but my body just started to sag like yeah I might I might I'm a little tired you know I'm I'm going to talk about me for a second because it it relates, but you know, I'm, I just recently started this group psychotherapy practice and I'm in this new role of leadership and I'm still seeing clients. I know you're going to have a face to make when I tell you that I see 20 clients per week and I'm seeing my employees, you know, one to two hours every single week and I'm running a business and I have, a, you know, all of these things. And so when you said something earlier about working 50 hours a week, I'm working 50 hours a week. That's what's happening right now. And, you know, you, you know that I went to Jackson Hole for spring break and then ended up coming back early because I was just so dysregulated some other things were going on and then when we had that FaceTime call while you were in Mexico I truly felt jealous and not in a bad way but like wow Myra you you, there's something that got missed you because what happened when we came back early from Jackson Hole is I just started working again it's it's one of the gifts and curses that COVID has brought to me is that I found my workaholic self that never used to be a workaholic in the way that I am now And so it's really important for me, and I also wonder, of course, about other listeners, to really hear your process and about what you're not willing to give up anymore and how you needed to – this is the way I translated it – how you took back your power and took back your power specifically around scarcity and were like, basically, fuck you. I'm going to design the life that works for me because I feel – as if all of us need to hear this, Mm -hmm. whether we provide services or not, is that we're powerful enough beings to create the life that we want and consistently check in with how we're doing. Like, is this fulfilling for me? Is it feeling good? Am I, do I have more space to just sort of be? So I really appreciate you just breaking it all down. And I know this process happened for you, you know, three years ago. And it's, you know, I imagine, of course, that it's something that you continue to work on, oh, like yeah. taking your trip to Mexico. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I almost didn't take it because I was like, "Oh, I'm in the middle of a launch. It's really compelling to just be in my comfort zone." But in my comfort zone, my I've slid into some patterns that really are not that that add to stress that I don't need to be doing. Like, I don't need to be drinking coffee every morning. It's really bad for me. I quit coffee. I feel better than I felt in months. And that took a week, you know, and totally like I wake up and jump on my computer, check all my social media, everything, get that out of the way uh, and then take the dog for a walk. Actually, what probably feels better for my system is to do it the other way around to write and then maybe not check social media. I'm so, I, I just got to study all week. What happened? I had this beautiful intention to write or read and i did that most of the time and every time i would check social media i would be in this like why am i here how did i get here why am i agitated all of a sudden what am, what am i grumpy about what did i read you know and yeah. why do i feel scared there were there were like things big emotions but when i wouldn't check it i wouldn't have those waves where i was just perplexed about my mood and yes. I was like, uh, this feels like it's causing stress. And so, and then every time I'd sit down to write, I would if I checked social media first, as soon as I went back to write, I couldn't remember what I was, had meant to write about. And
0: interesting, I was like,
1: this isn't part of what me living my best life looks like. Me living my best life looks like I'm a writer. It looks like I lay around and read books because that's fun, and like scrolling for hours on end is something during COVID that has just really embedded itself, and it doesn't feel great to me. So that feels like it's got to end. Yeah, yeah. And the other mm. thing I was thinking, you know, my friend Yonat, who I went to graduate school with, reached out um, over the weekend. She's like, you know, what's your favorite word to get way to get your the word about out about the way you work? And I said. I know this without a shadow of a doubt. And I have to remind myself of this every few months because I get lost easily with all the noise and everyone telling me what to do out there. But um, it is to choose one thing and one thing that lights me up or turns me on or gives me ease, brings me pleasure and just do that. Just do one thing. And again and again and again, I have seen the results when I try to do too many programs, when I try to market in twelve different places, um I feel exhausted. I I get yeah. wrapped into that scarcity mode, like I'm not doing enough, all the all the right people aren't gonna come to me. And when I can just focus my energy in one place, people find me. And so I need to remember that. And that gives me yeah. back my energy too. And so it was just this reminder of like, you don't need to be running five programs in 2021. Can you just focus on your one-on-one clients that you absolutely love and your (laughs) one program live, your other one that keeps us all going, and this other massive program that's coming out in the fall? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I'm chuckling a little as I ask you this. All right. Yeah. my, My question is, so you don't regret giving up your license and creating the life that you've created? It was a good idea.
1: It was a good idea for now. I can't mm-hmm. say what the future will bring, but I know I won't choose it out of scarcity. The only piece I sometimes wonder is because I love supervising coaches and therapists so much. It brings me so much joy. Yeah. Because if I wanted to supervise more therapists and and have them be able to count their hours, that's the one place I get really caught up.
0: Oh, that's a good that's a good idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Is is there anything more we started talking about how you decided to let go or put your therapist license on pause and then at least in my mind we we it turned into this conversation about mm, combating scarcity and as, of course because we talk about this all the time um taking care of our nervous systems is there anything you feel compelled to share or say right now before we start to wrap up? Hmm.
1: No, I think mostly just what I just said, like, for me, it's so hard for me to have definitive anything. And so this is what's true for me right now. You know, yeah, everything that I've just said is like, yeah, that's what wisdom is saying right now. Like less social yeah. media, one program at a time, one marketing strategy at a time.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Preach, honey. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. I have got, I got a lot out of the conversation um, and want to be more intentional about looking at my relationship to stress. So I really appreciate you being real and authentic like
1: you always are. Yeah. Actually, I do have one more thing. <laughs> okay, great. I was thinking, you know, I, I think I accumulate some stress and I think many of us can resonate with this from the vulnerability that comes from sharing, like as a person who does what I do, who teaches coaches and therapists to like have their work be as easy as possible. For me to sound like I'm like stressed, I feel like a hypocrite <laughs> because- but Totally. I just want to honor that. I think that's just me being a human. I'm not positive. <laughs> I think we all get stressed. <laughs> And yes, I think I add stress by saying you can't admit to your students that you need a week or two off because that would mean everything you teach them is bullshit, <laughs> you know. And right. I just want to like bust that because bust it. The stress that I carry is from my history. It's not from the way I work. And it's from me staying in a coping strategy and a survival strategy and it really wouldn't matter what work i was doing (laughs) if i wanted (laughs) to stay in that strategy so for me i tend to that through working on that strategy
0: (laughs) yes woman boom thank you for adding that last piece there's a lot there's a lot in there for sure Thank you so much for being a part of the show and being part of this love revolution. If you're feeling nourished and supported by this podcast, please share it with your people, subscribe so you're notified of all of our episodes, and leave a five-star review so we can get the word out.
1: If you're a therapist, coach, or on your own healing journey and have themes you'd love to have us explore, send us an email at revolutionaryloveandresilience@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find both of our offerings, everything from online courses to one-on-one sessions by following our links in the show notes or searching our names online.